next uh, episode of the podcast, my first with a guest, a very special guest uh, today, uh, a very good friend of mine has volunteered to be a uh, crash test dummy and come on the podcast and uh, talk some shit with me. Um, so hopefully you'll find it uh, educational and uh, exciting. And if not, well, at least we had a go. Um, my guest's name is Mr. Chris Roberts. Uh, you may know him as the founder of the GDPR Alliance, which sounds very grand. Um, and as the guy who runs uh, a company called Cybata. Um, Chris works in uh, data protection, cybersecurity, fraud prevention, IT, uh, all sorts, many strings to, uh, to his bow. And there's enormous amounts of experience in that sector. I've worked with Chris for a year, maybe, maybe a bit more. Um, particularly on GDPR stuff, which is what I wanted to talk about today, because I am jack of all trades and, and master of none, <laughs> as we've discussed previously. Um, I think everybody thinks GDPR is really boring, and that's what I want to challenge Chris with today. So we're going to start off our conversation with that proposition. Chris, tell me why GDPR isn't mind-numbingly boring. It's not mind-numbingly boring because we all have families, we all have, many of us have children, some of us have grandchildren, and when you look, you understand that they are sharing huge amounts of their personal data with software companies who could be based anywhere in the world, doing whatever they like with their personal data, and ultimately, it comes back and could impact their future, their life, because that data may be used, turned around and used against them in terms of a fraud perpetrated against them. So if we don't care what happens to us, we should be, we should care passionately about the risks that our family face in this big bad world that is, is increasingly being dominated by the internet, the internet of things and, and artificial intelligence. So data, you're talking about personal information because that's how what applies GDPR applies to. Absolutely. And that's information that identifies us as individuals. What do you mean by the risks? What risks are there? I was lucky to share the stage uh, 18 months ago with one of the most prolific fraudsters in the UK. And the hour I had with him after the event was uh, amazing. Uh, it doesn't take long. I'll just say now he's uh, now turned to the good side. Um <laughs> So he helps uh, law enforcement, but uh, the conversation was illuminating even for myself. You know, it doesn't take much uh, to perpetrate a fraud in terms of collecting a piece of personal data about to Mr. Tony Dowling from his Facebook page, from his LinkedIn profile, from some other website he's joined, some other membership organization he's joined. The fraudster only has to get those four or five bits of information and suddenly they can... Uh, pretend to be Mr. Tony Downing. That identity theft. That thing. identity theft. Mm. Um, and it, it doesn't take much. And I think uh, most organisations that I talk to have uh, missed the point that, you know, every device they use, the laptop, the phone, the tablet, uh, when they're away from the office, all of these are weak points in terms of the data they, they have of, on them that could be used, harvested, collected, scraped, and used for purposes that it was never intended for. So that's actually what the data protection bit of data protection is, is to protect our data as individuals and protect us from fraud, from crime. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the regulation doesn't make the direct link to fraud, um, but I uh, am part of the Wales Fraud Forum, and I absolutely believe that the data on us that's out there in the internet, GDPR will over time increasingly prevent companies sharing, losing, uh, misusing our data. But what happens about all the data that's already out there in the universe? Do you think that's going to go away, be wiped clean? Absolutely not. It's still there. So increasingly, fraudsters will get their hands on it and use it for purposes it was never intended and against us. And it's not just uh, fraud. Fraud is not the only issue. Um, marketing is a big driver of these regulations in the first place because we're all completely sick of getting spammed at every turn. Yeah, it's, um, most people who uh, we talk to uh, will agree that since May the 25th, 2018, they have seen less spam in their inboxes. Uh, you get the occasional person who thinks it's gone up, but I, I think generally the trend is that people have seen less spam. There was a flurry of potentially spam and certainly illegal messages around May 25th about consent signups. Those, all those opt-in emails, Absolutely. Yeah. But generally, most people have already seen a benefit of GDPR that the amount of e in email inbox traffic is, uh, is significantly down. Also, people, when they go to shops and get asked, do you want an electronic receipt? Well, you'll actually find that you, you say yes, but they will then ask a secondary question. Would you like to go onto our marketing database? And before May 25th last year, most honest and straightforward and reasonable organisations actually would still add your details to their marketing database and you'd suddenly start getting spam messages mm. from them. Mm. Um, so already GDPR has had a number of benefits uh, in the world we live. And do you think, I mean, those are big issues, right? Fraud is a, is a big issue. Uh, marketing is a big issue. Uh, and, just, you know, there are organizations out there like Amazon, for instance, that know arguably more about us than we know about ourselves in terms of what they've harvested uh, from a data perspective, from things that we've bought from their websites, things that we've looked at, our intentions and our behaviours are all quite readily mapped out. And obviously, while they're with Amazon, you might argue, they're within the realms of Amazon's terms and conditions. You know, we, we shop with Amazon and we've agreed to these things, knowingly or not, potentially. Um, but there's, there's, say there's another side to that, isn't there? And, and that's the sort of the breach side of things. So even if our data has been responsibly collected, let's assume Amazon are responsible. I'm not entirely sure that is the case, but um, and it's sitting there on their servers and in their uh, data farms. It doesn't necessarily mean it's safe, does it? No, and cyber security is the, is the second, one of the second things you mentioned in your introduction. Cyber security is about keeping the data you have, you are responsible for, you have in trust from your clients, safe from attack. And I would say most SMEs within Wales, the owners, uh, the senior management teams, significantly underestimate the weaknesses they have in their IT infrastructure and their websites. And it, it's quite disappointing that many IT and web uh, development companies are not proactive in bringing um, these reasons and these potential problems to their clients and offering solutions. So people are basically, businesses are sitting there with data solutions, IT infrastructure networks, and they've got no idea that they're at risk. Absolutely. And, you know, before Christmas, we managed, uh, I certainly personally managed to clients uh, with breaches 
Um, I won't dis name the names, obviously, but um, very simple things like today in today's world, uh, they sent an email, one of them sent an email to 300 of the parents involved in an activity. Um, and let me start that again. So um, one of the examples... Give me a break. So one of the examples of a, a we had a manager breach uh, before Christmas with an organisation sent uh, 300 uh, emails out uh, regarding a particular topic. And instead of uh, BCCing it, which is blind carbon copy, they sent it to 300 people using the CC. Um, now, on the face of it, think, what, pro what is the problem with that? Um, well, it only, took, it only takes now one person to complain and feel they have a grievance for an investigation to take place. So under GDPR, uh, the organisation should escalate that problem to the Information Commissioner's Office within 72 hours if they believe there is um, uh, impact to the individual. Uh, obviously, if the, impact, if the individual has complained, you have to assume there is. They feel there is impact, so you should report it. Um, we found that, um, and, and the reason for this is that the email addresses had been given by those 300 individuals to the organisation concerned, but they had not given permission for that email address to be shared with the other 299 people. And for all, all the organisation knew, it could be because maybe someone was getting divorced, didn't want their new email address to be seen by their ex-partner or to be ex-partner. So they wanted to keep it private. And of course, what the organisation has done now is expose that private email address to their potential ex-partner. And you don't know what the ramifications are. So this was an error. This was a mistake. That, that, that doesn't exonerate anyone. It needs to be reported to the ICO and the ICO want to know what how it happened and what corrective actions are going to be put in place to prevent this problem happening. Uh, and this is now becoming a fairly regular occurrence that uh, many of the mistakes are human errors, um, but they're often basic failures that can cause significant impact now and significant corrective action. Um, but many organisations are blind to this. Mm. And, and when it hits, they are in panic. So, you know, they can turn to organizations like mine uh, to get that support. Mm -hmm. That was going to be my next question. So there's some big themes emerging here, right? So you've got privacy and safety, online and offline safety. And that, you know, you can easily spin that out, our safety, financial information, but maybe our kids' safety as well, as, as you mentioned. You've got fraud. Uh, identity theft, that kind of stuff. So, you know, two massive issues there. And then you sort of got the security, the, the, the hacking side of it, data breaches and, and that sort of thing. So the, these appear to be really, really big issues. And, and as you've just said, a lot of companies appear to be blind to this. Why do you think that is? Why hasn't it been taken more seriously than it sounds like it should be being taken? There are a number of oh, many business leaders who've said to me uh, in, about GDPR, it's a one-off event. It's a bit like that year 2000 um, uh, issue that we... Y2K. Uh, yeah, Y2K, that issue we faced where the world would, would collapse because the clocks uh, didn't roll over. Uh, and yeah, nothing happened in the world on that day, except to say that I was part of the IT industry at the time and we spent two years identifying all potential risks creating new software, fixing old software. Again, an iterative process. We burnt many, many hundreds of thousands of hours ensuring that all of the IT technology and equipment in the UK was going to be robust to that potential issue. So to the, to the general public, it was a great uh, damp squib mm. because nothing, no big 
planes didn't stop flying, telecommunication networks didn't stop working, uh, ferries kept sailing. So to them, nothing happened. I can tell you, if we hadn't done that work, there would have been a massive issue. But GDPR, data protection, is not like year 2000. Mm. It's much more like health and safety. Yeah. It means that you need to take appropriate technical and organisational measures to make sure that you take seriously the data you hold on trust of your clients, partners, uh, and, and any other organisations you work with. Put in place the systems to manage it, identify risks, and and and, and um, take action against those risks as and when it's appropriate to the organisation. And part of that, obviously, is documenting what you're doing. Mm. So that, that, again, you've uh, anticipated my next question. What, what would you say, uh, what should the typical business be looking at doing? Because there's a massive piece, there's a huge topic, some big themes. How do we how do we start? What's the first step in the journey? First step is for business leaders to not think that data protection is simply a compliance issue. People always fear compliance, the costs of it, it's not a productive use of their time and their resources. And if they can get away without doing it, they'll get away exactly. with it. Exactly. So some businesses will always do it because they are a compliance organisation. That, that's fine and that's great and that's superb. But a number of other leaders uh, in business have agreed uh, with me and, and, I, and vice versa that if you're thinking about data protection as a compliance-only issue, you're missing the point. What I mean by that is by looking at your business through the eyes or the lens of GDPR data protection you suddenly start to understand your business much better than you do today because it forces you to go into detail into the processes and procedures that span people, uh, responsibilities, vertical units, departments, all of these things that get in the way of solving a cross-business problem. GDPR and data protection forces you to do this. And what we find is very often the projects will lead to identifying inefficiencies or productivity um, uh, gaps in the organisation. And by solving those, you actually pay for the cost of any GDPR data protection interventions. Mm. So you win. You become compliant, and actually you make the business more efficient. You contribute to the bottom line. So there is a, a strategic benefit. Absolutely. But I, I, th I think business leaders see it as another burden. If you can flip that around and say, okay, it could be another burden, but let's look at the upsides. How will, if we can use this approach, the, the work we have to do to become compliant, but actually returns benefit to the business, it makes us more productive. We, we can do all the things we've always wanted to do, but we've never had the resource to do it. Well, if the resource now um, is, is freed up because we've automated uh, a part of the process to become more secure, to look after the data better, and actually that human being now has half of their time freed up again, then that business can use that resource again for more marketing, better customer service, mm. better customer care. Mm. Brilliant. So just in closing, um, and obviously we'll talk about your company in a minute, where, where can people go for help when it comes to GDPR? Okay, for small, medium-sized businesses, um, there are some great resources on the Information Commissioner's website. ICO.org.uk. Absolutely. Um, they have templates then uh, and other documents. They will explain the regulations. Um, I think for me, it's business context is, is the important missing link. Um, 
that information and there are other websites out there from all sorts of organizations um that the key thing is to understand the context in which you operate your business and that's where you can seek the support of third-party companies who can come alongside you using the ICO materials and other materials and put the context in place so you only do the things that you need to do and you do them in the priority order you need to do them in. Mm. Um, so I think that's that's the key thing. is It's choosing your battles mm. and choosing which battles you do in which time frame. And obviously, and from my perspective, I'd recommend a company uh, or an organisation like GDPR Alliance because you've been in the game since the start, even before GDPR was uh, was actually a regulation. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and the GDPR Alliance came out of the the fact that GDPR spans many aspects of a business. It includes uh, the legal side. It includes putting contracts together. It may include shredding. It may include changes to your IT infrastructure. It may require audits. It may require uh, data analysis. Um, so we we brought together uh, 13 companies um, to actually be able to offer uh, a one-stop shop to to customers. So the whole GDPR thing is covered by the GDPR Alliance? Absolutely. Brilliant. Okay, so give yourself a plug. Uh, give us some details. How do we get hold of you? So if you, you can get hold of myself, uh, chris at cybata.co.uk. That's C-Y-B-A-T-A. That's cyber and data together. That's uh, what we focus on. So very, do you like, the, like yeah, what I we like did that. there? Very good. Um, you can get hold of me there. Um, the website is www.cybeta.co.uk. Please get in contact. Um, we're very happy to come and have a, a certainly either have a, a conversation at no cost to understand what your challenges might be. Uh, and, and after that, we, we will look at how we could support you. And that may be a, um, another visit uh, to, uh, to under scope the mm. challenge that you face mm. because sometimes the challenges you think you face are not actually the challenges you really face mm. and that's where the expert support Absolutely. comes in yeah and if you do want to get hold of chris and you and you missed that and you can't rewind and play it again which i'm sure you can get in touch with me leave a comment uh or uh, ping me on social and i'll connect you directly with chris um thank you very much it's very interesting big themes uh learned a lot there um is there a have you got a a, a, a final point have you got an and an, an finally when it comes to the data protection that you want to leave us with the finally i would say is the time for doing nothing has passed you have to do something what the regulator quite rightly is looking for is people to have a plan the plan may take some time to implement but the regulator really increase over time will uh, become more frustrated with organisations that when uh, the, the, there is a problem, there is a breach, there is a complaint, when their front door is knocked and the front door opens and uh, you say to them, GDPR what? Mm. The ones what done regulation? Nothing. The yeah. ones who've done nothing. You really don't want to be in that camp. Mm. So make a start now. It's not too late uh, and we can help you put in place a realistic, sensible plan with real actions that you can take forward. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Chris. And... Stay tuned for the uh, for the next episode um, and uh, and the next guest. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm.